You're listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast, hosted by Joe Hunter on the Sound of Life at soundoflife.org. Just glad to be back. Uh, here's a little bit of the story. Uh, I did not go to the Dominican Republic. Uh, I plan on going. I'll have to get in touch with um, the Crossover Cups office there in South Carolina. Emily's a wonderful person. I'm sure we'll be working on something. You know, I'd almost kind of like to go back in June because that's when it's like really hot. And and I I'm one of those people that says, oh yeah, I've been there. You know, sure everybody goes to the Caribbean in the winter. <laughs> you know, was gorgeous and everything. You know, but I want to go in the summer, man. That's what separates. But it's it's okay. It's just one of those things. I might regret it then, huh? But I've I've got the uh, the pencils and the notebooks, the school supplies ready to hand kids. I've got that. What happened was I I, I got contaminated. I got the cooties. I did, and it's kind of interesting uh, because um, I. Uh, it was from my daughter. She's an RN. She's been working with this for a couple of years, you know. She works at St. Peter's Hospital in Albany, and they test all the time. And a co-worker tested positive, so she had to test. She got negative. She wasn't feeling that great a few days before Christmas. Tested negative again. Yeah, come on, we'll do Christmas. Okay, Sunday after Christmas, test positive, <laughs> you know. And she wasn't feeling good, kind of feverish at night, especially. So as a result of that, my son who lives away, he he took the brunt of it. He had a couple of days of uh, laying around, fever, you know. My wife had no energy. She took a little bit of that. She tested positive last Tuesday. I tested negative, same. I haven't had any symptoms. But, you know, a couple of days after being exposed, you can't go to the Dominican Republic because what, what if I was positive? I'd be there now. I'd, I'd be stuck there in the in the. <clears throat> Never mind. <laughs> I see one more of those photographs from people who have blue sky all the time. That's it. No, no. But anyway, I really, uh, so that's that's the gist of it right there. I couldn't go. So I uh, ended up spending time with my wife who thought I was going to be out because my daughter and my son-in-law, they took a trip to Texas uh, for a few days. So we house sit their dogs and everything. So it's interesting, you know. So every time the dogs were whining, I was like, honey, you, you, that's yours. That's your job. That's the sound of life. I wasn't all that familiar with Chris Tucker. If you saw him, you would probably go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of remember him. But you may remember some of the blockbuster TV shows he was in, like Jackie Brown, Rush Hour. That was back in the 90s. Um, and he was, well, we, we didn't know what happened to him. Nobody's seen him. Nobody's doing anything. But the rapper Ice Cube, is that his name? I'd always, yeah, it's Ice Cube is actually the rapper's name. He, he spilled the beans on Chris Tucker, He in, and I guess he was pretty impressed with the guy. Um, I, and I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with his faith in Jesus. <laughs> the rapper said he offered Tucker a huge payday to reprise the role of Smokey in a sequel to the 1995 hit comedy Friday. 10 to 12 million dollars. You know how many zeros on that check? Somebody handed you a check like that and said, Yeah, I just want you to do what you did before. I'm telling you, there is not a hero of the Bible that, I mean, Chris, Chris Tucker is right up there with Daniel, all those people at Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, all those people who said, No, I'm not bowing down to that. He just didn't feel led to do it. He turned it down. 
turned it down, as Ice Cube said, for religious reasons. Because he didn't want to cuss or smoke weed on camera anymore. That's what the rapper said. Very, very fascinating. And he has done an interview in the last couple of years um, that revealed his faith, led him to return to his professional love, stand-up comedy. Though, of course, his act is a little bit different now than it was in the early days. He said, and I quote, being a Christian helps me in comedy. Got that right? Well, no, that's right. I have to talk about other stuff, he said, adding, normally, most comics talk about stuff that's easy, cussing, saying something raunchy. He said, I have to dig deeper, find something that's still funny and not raunchy. It's harder. I like the challenge. Pretty amazing. And people on social media generally seem pretty impressed with Chris Tucker's decision to forego continued stardom. I'm telling you, when you turn down 10 to $12 million that's sitting there right in front of you and say, no, I'm not going to do this. God, you know, led me not to do this. That impresses people right there. I'm telling you. Waking up with a cup of joe. You make my drive to work so worth having. Thank you for the entertainment, the music, the love, the blessings. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. The sound of life. I'm glad you're here. You know, we notably lost, uh, man, we lost like a handful of people. Right near the end of the year, but of course, two very notable, I don't know if you know the football coach, of course he was uh, John Madden, I mean everybody has to know him, he broadcast the games for 30 years, which really astounded me, and he really brought a lot of people in just because he was who he was, right, and you had to laugh, that's why he was so easy to imitate. Because all you had to do, basically, oh, there he goes, oh, to the right, and he's fumbling the ball, you know, and he, but he can because he kind of didn't know what he wanted to say, but he kind of knew, and it was precious. But he's, he paid uh, Pat Summerall, who he worked with uh, probably for 30, those 30 years. He said, Pat could sum up what I was trying to say in about three words, which was actually true. And what a combination they were. And then, of course, you know, you had... Uh, the Golden Girl, everybody calling her, uh, just shy of her hundredth birthday. I thought um, a statement that was said about her was very true. We, you lived a very long time, but yet not for us. It wasn't long enough. We just wanted you to, you know. We're, we're kind of like that. But one of the things that struck me about both of those people is the fact that people remembered how they made them feel. It is true, and I can't remember who said that. They said, well, people won't remember what you do, but actually they, they do, but you know, not so much so people remember how you made them feel. In both those cases, that was the theme, I think. People remembered how they felt after being around them. But we lost somebody else recently, too, that you probably don't know. He hasn't been, uh, I don't think he's been out with Big Daddy Weave a, a lot lately, but I remember... When Mike Weaver was going through a lot of his brother Jay's issues with, I th- it was some kind of bacteria that he had. It was very bizarre. He ended up having to lose some of both of his legs, and I, I, mean, I was just stunned. But they handled that, and they recently lost Jay. He's not an old person or anything. He's the brother of Mike Weaver, who's the lead singer of Big Daddy Weaver. And a lot of people remember him. And speaking of how it makes you feel, this really takes it to a great level right here. Jason Gray, who I dearly love, um, and I love about how honest he is, is being honest right there. And he said, my, my, he was a dear friend of mine, 
He said, um, I, I want to tell you about their band, first of all. He said, I had just gotten my divorce finalized. Jason Gray said this. He said, I was dejected, depressed, certain that my status as a divorcee would make me a pariah to both my industry and Christian music listeners. My whole future was uncertain. All I had, the energy was for sleeping, though I wasn't even doing that very well. I still had bills to pay, so what was I to do? Big Daddy Weave invited me to tour with them for the better part of that year, a tour that felt more like a hospital than anything else, as God and my friends really lifted him up, made me feel better. One time, he said, now this is, I'm going to give you an example. They were all praying before the show in Alabama. And he said, I was sitting in a pew with my head hung low. This is Jason Gray. And he said, Jay walked over to me. So it's been a few years since all this has happened. He was walking there. And he said, he put his hands on the side of my head and he lifted my face to look me in the eye. And he said, I didn't want to look him in the eye. It was too much. I felt unworthy. I had lost so much and disappointed so many people, including myself, that I was full of too much pain and shame to be able to bear looking anyone directly in the eye. I wished I could escape the moment as I tried to look anywhere else. But Jay held my face steady in his hands until I surrendered to the moment and met his gaze, and then he looked deep in the, he looked past my eyes. He looked into my soul. And you know what he said? He said, I love you. And then he prayed for my restoration. Wow. And now, you know, how the words of the psalmist in Scripture and Jesus come alive in that. That basically was Jay. And, uh, you know, I mean... We're all going to lose each other. If anything has taught us in the last few weeks or the last couple of years, you know, the world is full of loss. But God loves you dearly so much, and he uses other people to show you that. So I hope you know that today. Your daily dose of encouragement. I've got a smile on my face and a twinkle in my eye. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. The sound of life. you got to love the sheriff. In a small town in North Carolina, I'm not talking about Andy Griffith, but it does sound like something that might come from that. I should back up a little bit. Uh, on the sheriff's office wall in the Columbus County, North Carolina sheriff's office, there are these words. I'm thinking the words are up there. Right? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. That's up on the wall there. And it's in black letters. And, of course, this organization that does not want anything like that up there on the walls, because they say it alienates citizens in the country who are not religious. So they asked the sheriff to take it down. And the sheriff, you got to love this response. I love that. You know, so when an atheist organization asks you to take a, a, a take a a Bible verse down. Maybe you should say what he said. We need more Jesus. <laughs> yeah. A great way to start your day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. Oh, you look like a man who could use more coffee. The Sound of Life.
You know, I'm really enjoying, and I hope you are, if you go over the Kingston-Rhincliffe Bridge every day, like pretty much the entire county does, from what I've seen. Uh, but, you know, it's cashless tolling now. And I tell you what, I mean, we went through a summer and fall of some pretty long lines and waits. I used to say, you know, it's the only toll bridge where the cash lane is faster than the easy pass lane. <laughs> and that was true sometimes, sadly enough. But now there's just nothing. You know, you just drive across and you just fend for yourself because there's two lanes going under the toll, but there's one lane over the bridge. So <laughs> there's some decisions that have to be made there. But uh, so far, I've, it's just absolutely wonderful. But there's something about coming over early in the morning that's kind of hit me. And I'm just kind of confessing it to you as well, too. But I never really thought about it. And kind of took it for granted. But I always knew that there was somebody in that toll booth early in the morning. I, I don't know. It, it just it hit me after you come over and there's no toll booth. There's nothing. There's just a frame with a sensor on top. And I'm, I'm coming over in the morning and I'm like, there's nobody there. And it, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It just struck me as being kind of weird. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. I saw an amazing headline, and, I, you know, he's always in the news just because of who he is. Uh, for whatever reason or another, I kind of feel sorry for the guy, he, he, you know, but he's uh, certainly a fascinating person in kind of a way that I don't think you expect him to be. He's very direct. I'm talking about Elon Musk, and I don't know if you know him or not, but... He's probably by far the richest person in the world. I think we're up to about $3 billion right now. And I have to say this. Teslas are pouring in here. I mean, I, I they have a record number that they shipped. And I think half of them came into the, you know, Orange County and the Hudson Valley and stuff. I, I don't know. But that's either here or there. What got my attention was his quote, Elon Musk. And, and the headline says, Elon Musk says, he agrees with the teachings of Jesus. There is great wisdom, quote from him. Now, let's back it up a little bit. He grew up in South Africa. He grew up in the church to some point. I think he was baptized, right? Uh, had communion and stuff like that. So he knows about church stuff for good or bad, whatever that is. Now, amazingly enough, and he's interviewed by everybody who wants to talk to him. And he's given some interesting interviews. I saw one recently. A woman was asking him, you know, what well, a lot of people want to be like you. What is it that they want to be? They want to be like you. And he was like going, I, I don't think so. I don't think you really want to be like me. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And she was like, of course we do. Well, yeah, maybe you want to be rich. But I don't know if you want to be like him or not. I think he's right about that. But there's certain things that hit his hot button, like taxes, <laughs> you know, things like that. But he actually did an interview, and they have a podcast, believe it or not, the satirical organization that happens to be a Christian-based organization known as the Babylon Bee. Believe it or not, they do a podcast, and they talk to people for real. And he talked to them. That blows my mind right there. Uh, it was just absolutely amazing. So in the broadcast is where they actually got talking about faith and stuff. And I have to say, you have to hand it to the people because he could, you know, just his, who he is could be very intimidating. And he was asked, uh, I guess Nicole is the one that asked him, 
It said, would you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Wow. Just don't say anything after that. And uh, final question to pull some time out here. here. Babylon B is a Christian organization, and we're a ministry. One of, somebody else said it's like three different hosts uh, on the on the podcast. And he said, "How come we're doing a show on Sunday? Why aren't you heathens in church?" And God said, "Don't work on Sundays." Okay, you guys are going straight to hell for that one. That's the Leon Musk quote, you know. So right away, you can you got information right there you got seeds to work with right there you can you know straighten him out but nicole did say to make this church we're wondering if you could do us a quick solid and accept jesus as your lord and savior i love that i gotta love that i mean who might do it right there you know it's amazing but then he said i i respect and agree with the principles that jesus advocated like forgiveness and treating people as you wish to be treated, which is very important, and that is very true. He said things like turn the other cheek are very important as opposed to an eye for an eye, and an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind, he maintained. You know, it's a fascinating guy to talk to. Um, and he did kind of do that quote that Einstein famously did, but it was but Einstein quoted like, you know, I believe God created everything. There's a God that creates everything, but I don't believe he's... The, cares about what your life is like, which couldn't be further from the truth, because he created you, and they're talking about you right now. It's amazing. So uh, the Babylon Bee host celebrated his response, and they basically said, you know, oh, well, we think we believe you're going to get saved. At some point, you're going to get saved. Excellent! The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. Pop some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. The sound of life. All right, so I, I was watching and listening to some sportscasters yesterday, and they were talking about Ben Roethlisberger, among other things. He uh, had quite an emotional last uh, appearance at Heinz Field for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's the quarterback. He's been there, part of the organization, I think 17 years, maybe more than that. A long time. Okay? And right away, I knew, you know, I know he's had ups and downs, personal life and things like that. He, he's, and in fact, there were times, just probably like any athlete or anybody that has that length of service, you know, where people wanted to get rid of him or things weren't good and now things are good and stuff. But, I mean, at the end of that, he was tearing up. And, he was, you know, this was it. He's going in the locker room, taking off the uniform at the stadium, and that'll be it for them. Now, they're they're going to be in the playoffs. And they got another game. I, I Well, I shouldn't. maybe I spoke too soon about that. But there's another game at the end of the season. So, But it won't be at Pittsburgh. But I was thinking, I was listening to the sportscasters bring up some things and they, and they kind of pitted themselves against each other as as they do just you know for conversation just to get things going get callers calling and stuff and one was saying my gosh they treated him like he was the golden angel you know automatically in the hall of fame the best thing that ever happened and stuff and he's had some pretty serious allegations brought against him over the years which he has he's done some pretty stupid things well you know and then one of the announcers said, yes, but to be fair, he's straightened out over the last 10 years, I think. He's gotten married. He hasn't done anything stupid. But yet nobody mentioned what Ben Roethlisberger mentioned himself. I want to thank the good Lord 
for my career here and preserving me, something to that effect. But nobody mentioned that. Nobody, none of the sports that I heard, heard him say, well, I think, as is commonly said, you know, he got religion or came to faith or whatever. The Kurt Warner story is out there. That's a true story about a man who was a quarterback for the then St. Louis Rams. And I remember when he came into the league as a quarterback, and they were all like, he was he was stocking store shelves last week, and now he's going to be an NFL quarterback? Are they out of their minds? And he did incredibly well. One of the things they forgot was he played arena ball. That's played in an arena. <laughs> you think pro football's fast now on a regular field outdoors. Inside in an arena, it's super fast. And that's where he honed his skills, I think. But he did say, and he's a Christian, Kurt Warner, but he did say there was a time when I was using God as a spare tire. You know, when something would pop, I'd go in the trunk, get out my spare tire and replace it. And then I met my now wife. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Happens a lot. And I started reading the Bible. And I started realizing I've got it reversed. God needs to be prominent in my life. He needs to be first in my life. And that's what that story is all about, about how he came to put God first in his life. Unfortunately, and it really does kind of get you going, doesn't it? Because you just want to scream at the announcement. It was Jesus that made the difference in his life. You can see it right there. You're saying it. Oh, well, in the last 10 years, he's completely different. No kidding. (laughs) He makes you a new person. That's it right there. I firmly believe that. A great way to start your day. Go ahead. Make my day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. The Sound of Life. This is watching a video of prisoners in Florida. About 300 of them, I believe. Maybe 500. Like that, gathered. They were singing Jesus Loves Me so loud that all the other prisoners could hear them. That's the way I like. We did that down south. One time, we'd be outside at a picnic, church picnic or something. We made sure... That everybody within a mile of that place <laughs> knew that Jesus loved them. Because <laughs> we would pretty much yell it out. Some of them sang pretty good there. Hey, one thing I want you to know, and it really is true, as you're thinking about going into the new year. And, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't stress on anything too much. Don't make change too complicated. Because that's one of the times you're thinking about changing. Not doing, doing things like that. Don't make change too complicated. Sometimes you just have to begin, right? And that's the secret right there. Just put it on your schedule. Best thing to do, I know, speaking from a man's point of view, is to be accountable, right? It's one of the best things I ever did is have no people that were in a group that met after their work. Of course, it was way after my work to go exercise, And, of course, they would hold you accountable if you weren't there. And that's the best kind of way to do it. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. You're as funny as a cry for help. The sound of life. All those folks stuck out on I-95 recently. I uh, I, I I was stunned that they were there that long. I mean, they ended up there for 24 hours. At least some of them did. But it was complicated by about six tractor-trailer trucks that all slid around and hit each other and stuff. And then it got icy, and they were having, obviously, problems getting them ready. I was a little dismayed 
Um, you know, and I, I don't know, I'm not there, but I was a little dismayed that the governor of Virginia said, well, we don't need the National Guard. And I thought, well, man, maybe some maybe some hands and feet, you know, to deliver, make sure people are okay, you know, be all right. I don't know if everything. But um, somebody did that, took it on themselves to do that. I, what an incredible story it is. And I thought, boy, you know, if you got the kids, you need something to do. It's perfect. It falls in line with all these great activities, uh, uh, building something together and crafts and, and um, well, even photography and science and baking and cooking can throw it all together. But we're not real close to where they are in southern Virginia, of course. But, boy, if we were in the neighborhood, it would be the perfect school project, wouldn't it? We're going out on the highway. We're going to take care of people. But a truck driver did that, started distributing bread that he had on his truck. You think that was good? <laughs> In those icy conditions, he did it on foot. He got it and started carrying it to, to the different drivers on I-95 in Virginia. And and you got to love that because you're like, oh, look at all these people. You know, you, you know how easy it is to go, yeah, we're not really going to make much of a difference. You know, what's the use and all that? And it's like, well, you're making a big difference to those people that are right there. Don't ever discount that. Waking up with a cup of joe. I can't imagine traveling to school every day without it. It helps me um, in my prayer over our school and our students and teachers. So thank you for all that you do. The Sound of Life. Great warm story alert. Uh, This is really cool, and I checked it out. And I'll just give you a little idea, a heads up. It happened at a restaurant in Williamsport, New... uh, Not... Is it Williams? Williams... um, Hold on. Hold on, I got it right here. Williamsville. Williamsville is a town on Route 5 east of Buffalo. Uh, a couple of miles, I think, off of, uh, it's not. It's north of I-90. Anyway, uh, you may not get around there, but you ought to after I hear, after I tell you this story. And it was posted by Kathleen, who said, My husband tells my son, who has autism, to run into the restaurant and get a takeout menu from Sun Restaurant. That's what it's called. It's in a strip mall. They're sitting out there in the parking lot. You run in. In fact, she said they even practiced it in the car beforehand. So the son goes in, and my husband is waiting. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. So finally, he's like, i got to go see what's going on. He goes in, and his son is at a table eating. Apparently, he told the hostess, and I quote, I'm hungry. (laughs) So she sat him down, asked what he wanted to eat, and he answered beef. And with that, she told her cooks, hurry, this boy is very hungry. And they made him a beef curry with rice. Mm. And she said that he was so sweet, she was planning on letting him eat for free. Sun Restaurant in Williamsville, New York. And Kathleen said, if you end up there, which you might. Thank him again for me, for the kindness, and for treating my son like family. Totally. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. Oh, you're a smooth talker. You are. You are. The Sound of Life. I just had a thought. As I was watching a video, a pretty detailed explanation of something I've read about before. It's kind of a, a Shazam moment. and it, it, It'll blow your mind. You've heard of the Hubble Space Telescope, which I guess now is being replaced by something even better. It's amazing. So the photographs that that thing has sent back over the years, now that they've got the lens right and stuff, is 
It's just it's mind-boggling. I, I don't think your mind can really comprehend what we're looking at there. You go out at night, a beautiful morning like this, you see stars, of course. You can see some planets. And um, you. I don't know if you can see galaxies with the naked eye. I'm not sure. But all those stars are in our galaxy. They're all, you know, like within light years, 10, 300 light years away. They're all in our galaxy, in our neighborhood. <laughs> okay. So this uh, scientist is in front of a class, and he's got a photograph up of all the stars and stuff. You, you've seen them, right? And there's a particular part on that photograph. They're looking out at the sky that's dark. It's just a small little square where there's no points of light at all. It's just black. So the scientists thought what they would do is they would point that telescope right at that dark spot. And just leave the shutter open. And I don't know how long they have to leave it open. Maybe days. I'm not sure. They just steady the camera right there. And they want to pick up any light that is coming. Is anything there out in the universe? And what they saw will absolutely blow your mind. Oh, there's stuff there, all right. Galaxies. Hundreds of them. You have to know that a galaxy has a billion stars in it. A billion stars in a galaxy. And they're looking at one little corner of God's creation and looking at thousands of galaxies with billions of stars in one little space to give you an idea of the creative power of your God. Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. Uh, He was rejoicing. A lot of people are. I guess if you're in the city, any city, big city like New York City, you're more likely to see someone performing music on their own, right? Uh, It can be a tough job. And that's what happened back in 2007. A morning just like this was a cold January morning, and we're in Washington, D.C. at the Metro Station. Very fine train station there. There's a man playing a violin. He actually played for about 45 minutes. He played six pieces from Bach, all right, which means nothing to me. I kind of know what it would sound like. But uh, anyway, about during the time, about 45 minutes he was there, there had to have been over 2,000 people go through the train station. And, of course, everybody's going to get, you know, to get on the train. They've got a destination to go to. So it's understandable that they wouldn't stop and partake as much as, you know, they probably should. Uh, After about four minutes, a middle-aged man noticed that there was a musician playing. He slowed his pace and stopped for a few seconds, and then he hurried off to meet the schedule. About four minutes later, a violinist received his first dollar. A woman threw money in the hat, but she didn't even stop. She just kept walking. After six minutes, a young man leaned against the wall to listen to him, looked at his watch, started to walk again. All right, this is kind of the way it went for the 45 minutes that morning. The fascinating thing was the kids were drawn to it. All the little kids coming by with their parents, their mom usually would stop and listen, and the mom would have to kind of drag them away, you know, encourage them to, no, let's go. We've got to go. We stay on schedule. That's the way it is if you got kids, right? As several children came by, and every parent, without exception, forced their child to move on. Now, this is going to mean something in a minute. So at about 45 minutes, the musician who had been playing 
uh, with six people basically out of over a couple thousand stopped for a short while. About 20 of them gave money. In fact, he collected $32. He finished playing, and again, silence took over. No one noticed. No one applauded. No recognition at all. His name? Joshua Bell. That's who was playing the violin. If you know classical music, you know that Joshua Bell is one of the greatest musicians in the world. He played one of the most intricate pieces ever written with a violin that's worth over three and a half million dollars. Two days before, in fact, Joshua Bell was at a sold-out theater in Boston where the seats averaged a hundred dollars a piece. People paid that to sit and listen to him play. And here he was playing for whoever wanted to listen for 45 minutes in the D.C. Metro. It was all organized by the Washington Post newspaper as part of a social experiment about perception and taste and people's priorities. And it raised several questions, didn't it? And you're thinking about that. Wow. I mean, you know, it's it's not an appropriate hour. People would probably say, well, you know, I, we just can't stop and listen to the music. You just didn't appreciate. You didn't investigate. It's interesting, though, that the children did, didn't they? It's interesting. They were naturally drawn to that music. It's just pretty interesting. I thought it was a pretty cool little story for you. Something I'm learning in the new year. That's something you always want to do. It doesn't matter how old you are, what time of the year it is. Always say, Lord, let me appreciate what you have for me today. Whether it's a flower in bloom or a snowflake hitting the ground or one of the world's best musicians playing. I don't know, that guitarist on the other side of the bridge at the parking ride in Dutchess County there. He may be a world-class guitarist. I don't know. He's out there playing. He was there yesterday. I'm there for two seconds passing by. I, I don't know. But God loves you. Yes, indeedy. Waking up with a cup of joe. You make my drive to work so worth having. Thank you for the entertainment, the music, the love, the blessings. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. The sound of life. It is funny. Um, I was just watching uh, Meryl Streep on a little... uh, I shouldn't tell you what I'm doing, you know, but I was having a snack and I was watching her dealing with her name was Mary at birth. She said because... My mother's name was Mary, and her mother's name was Mary, and then I named my daughter Mary, you know, because I was just trying to fit in, and she was going, she looked at the lady beside her and said, what was the question? <laughs> but they, she's been in a movie recently, and Jennifer Lawrence is in the movie, too. She's, she's big time, but she's the up-and-coming new actress, right? Meryl Streep is the classic, been around for a while. In fact, Jennifer Lawrence was saying that during the shooting of the movie, They called her the goat. They said, ah, the goat, you know, like that. Well, in case you don't know this, the goat, you know, you're getting old when they have to explain things to you. Maybe they shouldn't have come up with it, but it means greatest of all time, right? And it's just a shortcut way of saying you're the greatest of all time, right? Certainly in acting fields. I think Meryl Streep probably fall into that category. And they certainly thought, though, the cast calling her that. But Jennifer Lawrence said, you know, she just didn't react that much to it and we were constantly calling her that and it was near the end of the movie and Meryl Streep admitted to her she said yeah I'm an old goat and Jennifer Lawrence was like what do you mean yeah you're calling me the goat I'm an old goat Jennifer Lawrence was like no 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 don't you know what that means it means greatest of all time she was like oh 
<laughs> so we have to have a lot of things explained to us. Like sometimes, you know, God things need to be explained a lot of times, I think. I don't know if I would ever compliment you by using the name goat or not. But you know you're getting old when you have to have compliments explained. Amen. To you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. I was actually going to tell you about how something really good has come out of all the last couple of years with the virus and the shutdowns and all that stuff. Uh, three in four Americans have a newfound admiration for their loved ones for this year as the pandemic reaches its two-year mark. I, I think I can agree with that. I go along with that. Uh, the researchers, of course, polled the scientific group of Americans and, and you know, and size to analyze how they plan to connect and make memories with their loved ones this holiday season. And about 64% are closer to their families than they were before. I think that goes along with mine. Despite the limitations, isn't that interesting? Seven in 10 respondents shared that they looked through photos and videos to feel more connected to their loved ones. The majority of respondents are kicking it old school. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. And uh, giving loved ones a phone call more often to stay in touch. Give you some ideas right here, right? Sending uh, a text to check in. 50% prefer spending time together in person. It's pretty cool. And uh, we did. It, it, was a, it was a great holiday season, you know. It really was. And through all that that we've been through. So that, that would be togetherness as a family. Can't beat that for the new year, can you? I'm- Waking up with a cup of joe. I can't stop drinking the coffee. I stopped drinking the coffee. I stopped doing the standing and walking and the words, putting into sentence, doing. The sound of life. I was thinking about that this morning. It seems like every snowfall, somehow, it will test your patience and and a lot of times you don't know how it's going to happen just like god making a way you just have to be patient bite your lip if you have to you know just god will make a way it'll it'll take care of it you'll be okay all right good morning coming to morning show outline who's this yeah yeah. hey joe Uh, this joe and just wanted to say uh, it's cool we have the uh the same first name, but um, anyway, uh, I'm out here plowing roads this morning, Woo! and um, it's it's chilly. But I just tell drivers take it easy, leave a few minutes early, yep. make sure you got uh, the uh, license plate cleared of snow, and your tail lights and your headlights are, are bright and shining. Good stuff, and uh, have a safe trip. I'll be out trying to keep the road safe. Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. What if there was something better than gold? Better than gold? Gold has been the gold standard. That's the reason you say that. For thousands and thousands of years. That is it, man. That's what you measure everything else by. And that was one reason why so many people left the East Coast and headed west to California. The 1849 Gold Rush. They say that that's basically... Why the West was settled. Why else would you go? Why, you know, it was incredibly arduous. And we can prove that by the letters written by some people that went. Edward Jackson set out for California. He had a diary entry on May 20th in 1849 lamenting his grueling wagon journey marked by disease and death. Oh, do not leave my bones here, he wrote. If possible, let them lay at home. Wow was another gold seeker named John Walker. He wrote down 
It's the most complete lottery that you can imagine. I cannot advise any person to come. And yet, hundreds and hundreds have did. John Walker, in fact, returned home and succeeded at farming, ranching, and even state politics. Wow. Much, many years later, I know this because it was on television show, a family member took his yellowing letters to the American TV program Antiques Roadshow. They were valued at several thousand dollars, and the TV host said, so he did get something valuable out of the gold rush after all. Those letters, right? And uh, both of them returned home. John Walker did, and uh, Edward Jackson came home as well. And they both loved the fact that wisdom caused them to take hold of a more practical life. King Solomon in the Bible said, Blessed are those who find wisdom. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Wow. Something that just kind of is there, right? Just very subtle, not screaming, not glittering at all. Pretty amazing. Heavenly Father, when we're blinded by the lure of shiny wishes, inspire us to take hold of wiser choices, walking the path of wisdom back to your blessed peace. Amen. Wow. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. Might as well get up, do something. The Sound of Life. Big day in sports today that probably will go unrecognized. I don't know, somebody might mention it, but it was in 1927. The Harlem Globetrotters played their first game. Now, it was started by, everybody knows, Abe Saperstein from Chicago started the team. Well, basketball as a sport was just a little over 30 years old. so And it was catching on like crazy in the Northeast about this time of the winter. <laughs> Playing a game inside was a very great idea, right? So in 1926, he formed them together, and it was on this day in 1927 they played their first game in Hinkley, Illinois. And since then, they've been to 123 different countries playing. And, of course, kids of all ages really understand and appreciate the Harlem Globetrotters, their incredible skill. They actually, over the years, invented things like the slam dunk. You're familiar with that? Yeah, they invented that. Uh, point guard positions, forward positions, the fast break, the figure eight weave, whatever that is. <laughs> they actually invented a four-point play beyond 30 feet. Didn't catch on, I don't think. Maybe they do it when they play, but whatever. They stunned the world when they beat the NBA champions, uh, Minnesota Lakers. The, the L.A. Lakers were in Minnesota then. And they beat them twice, uh, two different separate years. Wow. But the really big deal came in 1950 when a Globetrotter player by the name of Nathaniel Sweetwater Clifton became the first African-American player to sign with the NBA. And he came to the New York Knickerbocker. You should know that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not, you know, and now I know it, and you should know it too. But, uh, and of course, they were at Berlin Olympic Stadium in 1951. You know, they have been known as ambassadors of goodwill and all kinds of stuff. Wilt Chamberlain toured with them anyway. I go on. But uh, good old Abe, he had no idea when he was creating, did he? 
and, a, and an absolutely an amazing group of Yay! people over the years. We salute the Harlem Globetrotters. You've been listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast on the Sound of Life, the Hudson Valley's 100% listener-funded Christian radio station. For more information on upcoming events, contests, to ask for prayer, and to become a member of the Sound of Life family by supporting the station, visit us at soundoflife.org.